0: Check out my new show, Nicola Talent presents Getting Away With Murder, live at Liberty Hall on September 20th. Brought to you by MCD. Tickets on sale at ticketmaster.ie.
1: Members of the public had actually seen her and, and could see she was kind of in a distressed state. She couldn't really speak English and she did appear to be a child. So she was kind of drawing pictures and, and pictures of, of her on an aeroplane. Then pictures of her lying on a bed with kind of men standing over the bed and exchanging money. There there was something definitely not quite right.
0: I'm Nicola Tallent and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. It was a story that read like the start of a true crime bestseller. A teenage girl is found wandering on Dublin's O'Connell Street. A team of experts are brought together to discover who she is. And pencil drawings depict a cruel sex trafficking ring. Dubbed GPO girl, Samantha Azopardi sparked a major Garda investigation in 2013 when she posed as a vulnerable young teen who'd lost the power of speech. Instead, She was a troubled 25-year-old Australian con artist who had a history of posing as a victim of crime. But what happened as a party after her unwelcome brush with fame in Dublin? And why is she back before a court in Australia on her 100th charge related to fraud? Today I'm talking with Sunday Independent journalist Ali Bracken about the extraordinary story of GPO Girl and how her days posing as a teenager could be numbered, thanks to the power of television. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Let's go back to 2013 and uh, a story that then gripped the nation and uh, we we were looking at an image of a very haunted-looking young girl with her finger in her mouth and, uh, you know, A bit of a frightening story that we were being told that she had been trafficked into Ireland.
1: Yeah, I think it was it was early October, Nicola, 2013. And this young woman was was just found wandering around around outside the the GPO on O'Connell Street. And I think members of the public had actually seen her and and could see she was kind of in a distressed state. So they took it upon themselves to ring Gardaí. I think Store Street would be the local station there. And they came up and 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 had a had a look at her and, and tried to talk to her and she couldn't really speak English, it was kind of broken English, but she seemed very out of sorts. So they would do what would be kind of protocol in these in these cases. They they decided to take her away. She appeared quite young, so they kind of took her back to the station and and called some doctors to have a look at her because there, there was something definitely not quite right at that point. And, and, you know, they had a duty of care not to just leave her, leave her on her own. And she did appear to be a child.
0: Mm. So what sort of language was she speaking? Or, I mean, presumably there is translators for in this day and age for every language under the sun. Um, were they able to decipher what that was and where she was from? It seemed to kind of be broken English and, and,
1: they, they began to suspect she she might be Eastern European I think that was just kind of based on her appearance and she was mostly actually communicating um with a pen and pencil in terms of drawing pictures that seemed to be how she she began to kind of communicate with at this stage it was medics as well as garji because this clearly isn't someone who should be in guard of custody she wasn't somebody under arrest uh, at that stage mm. so she was kind of drawing pictures and 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 that set off a lot of alarm bells it was Pictures of of an of her on an aeroplane, then pictures of her lying on a bed with kind of men standing over the bed and exchanging money over her, essentially. Um, so mm-hmm. this kind of, you know, was a very obvious, really attempt, I suppose, to to try and say that she potentially had been had been brought to Ireland by aeroplane and was was being sexually abused, was the victim of, of human trafficking, was, was how it looked to everybody. So that was a, a huge cause, cause for alarm. So I think at that, at that stage, she was taken out of, she was kind of full-time then in the care of, of the health authorities because mm. the other belief was that she was very young, that she was kind of as young as 13 or 14 years old. So there then began this huge trawl to try and find out who this, who, what they thought was a child, who she was, so, you know, the usual contacting Interpol, the missing persons bureau, I think forensic science lab, all of those kind of groups. but like nothing was was coming up at all for her. And um, she had braces on her teeth, so they, they they kind of did all the checks, even the the orthopedic checks to see if that could trace her identity. And again, just nothing. So it's this kind of mystery, and I think there was one or two stories in a couple of the papers. Um, before it actually broke, where you know there was just very scant detail, just saying that a young a young girl, essentially a young teenage girl, appeared to have been found, and no one knew who she was. But it wasn't really until the guardy, after about two or three weeks, they actually took a step, which is unusual, and and they went to the high court and they asked a judge for permission to release her photograph, yeah, in a bid to identify mm. her, uh, and that's what really. That's, what, that's
0: when the story really fully publicly emerged. Now that photograph, if people can remember, it looked kind of grainy and she was sort of taken side on as if it was from a CCTV camera. Did they actually get her to pose or were they just able to apply for permission to use something that they had? Because it was kind of taken outside the GPO, am I right? Yeah, that was actually, a guard actually took that picture and, and she refused
1: to, to let anybody take her picture after that point. Um, Bizarrely for someone who actually kind of courts publicity in, in a way, she doesn't like her picture being taken whatsoever, which is kind of just another contradiction of her personality I suppose. She wants this kind of infamy but at the same time won't let herself be be photographed so that that was a Garda
0: picture right yeah because if you google GPO girl you just get a series of that same picture one after the other and uh you know she's she is looking well I mean you know if we don't know the rest of the story she's looking haunted and and certainly looks like a teenager but nonetheless um I'm interrupting you there slightly sorry about that they they go to the High Court and they get permission to put out the picture. Yeah, so, they, they got permission. Um, yeah,
1: I think the HSE actually were were against that move and, and they actually objected, but the, the judge ruled, ruled basically in, in the Garda's favour because I think the guards just felt like, you know, they had tried every avenue to identify her. Nothing was forthcoming and she couldn't communicate properly. So they decided, we'll, we'll put the picture out. They actually held a press conference in Garda headquarters um Mm. which all the media attended and look it was obviously going to be of huge interest to to the media like you know this who is and I think the headlines kind of were the next day who is the gpo girl you know Um, Mm. and I think they only had to wait a couple of days before before releasing the photograph really began really paid off uh because they got Mm. a, a phone call from a man by the name of Joe Brennan, uh, and he lives in he lived in Clonmel in Tipperary at the time, and he essentially had been in a relationship with this young woman's mother many years previously in Australia, and who we now know is Samantha had come over to visit him and some and his mm-hmm. two sons and had stayed with them for a month in Clonmel, and he told Gardy that she's actually twenty five years of age. Uh, her full name the names of her parents and that she was an Australian um, young woman and that she most certainly wasn't a a teenager uh, who'd been trafficked into this country so that was a complete bolt from the bolt out of the blue really for for guards and they do what they do They, they checked out Joe Brennan's story and got in touch with the police in Australia and story checked out and everybody just was a bit completely flabbergasted by, by this turn of events.
0: So, I mean, up to this point that, that Joe Brennan uh, makes the phone call, uh, you have really an amazing plot from either a crime drama or a book, you know what I mean? That's the story of this child showing up, wandering around, incapable of speech, etc. But actually, all the while, this is an Australian woman who and we do have to say and and we will state throughout that there has been evidence given to court in relation to this woman that she suffers from personality disorders and from mental health issues but um nonetheless she has come into contact a number of times with police in different jurisdictions the cost of the investigation at that point in Ireland was about estimated at 250,000 euro. There had been 2,000 hours of uh, time put in by Garda investigating. Obviously, they had, which is very time consuming, gone back all over the CCTV at the, at the GPO to try and see if they could spot her around town, etc. Um, a costly exercise, but... The shock of it that this was actually a twenty-five-year-old Australian young woman. What happens next? Do the guards decide has she committed a criminal offence, or do we in Ireland here handle her in a in a more um, maybe in a, in a more gentle and humane way? Yeah, I, I think they went for the gentle and
1: humane approach because it was it was clear that this woman, you know, was troubled. You know, and that's putting it very mildly. And she had a conviction in Australia already at that point for for deception, um, as well. And you know, from speaking to their counterparts in Australia, they told them that look, she's she's got form for for making up these these stories and and pretending to be mm. something she's not. So. I think the, the guard of view was first of all kind of uh, there was definitely a sense of kind of embarrassment that they'd been completely fooled you know because mm-hmm. they almost they they're guards they they pride themselves really on on not being fooled I suppose don't they and they have a cynical view of everything because of what they have to see in their in their day-to-day working lives so the fact that they had all been completely taken in you know as had the HSE and all the medical experts who, who who'd been you know specialists who'd been brought in to to speak to this woman and medically assess this woman. So first of all, it was, it was kind of embarrassment. And then it was that swiftly moved to how do we, how do we end this? You know, and, you know, she doesn't belong here, I suppose. You know, she's, she certainly wasted, wasted guard of time, but is it worth criminally convicting her? No, you know, it's not an offense she'd go to prison for. So I think it was just decided the best thing to do with this kind of very vulnerable young woman was was send her home and, and send her home as soon as
0: possible. I suppose when you mentioned there the embarrassment, of course, you and I well know how um, infrequent it is for the Guardi to hold a very open press conference like that, to invite the media along, to hand out a photograph of somebody and... Uh, Obviously, to to give out information because they are a very closed-off force in in comparison to some of their European counterparts. Um, you know, they don't they don't really deal very much with the media. Um, you know, they'll 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 pick and choose exactly what uh, the information they give out. They're very like ourselves. They're cons- they're constrained by the legal and you know, the defamation laws here in Ireland and, and other laws. But they are a very careful force. Um, they don't just hold press conferences at the drop of a hat. Um, GPO girl makes her way back to Australia. And I presume you, like many other journalists, reckoned that that was the last that you'd ever hear of her. And she might go back into the care of her loving family or into you know, some, some, some facility to help her with her, her mental health issues, but that's not exactly what happened.
1: No. Um, yeah. And it was, it was just such a bizarre story, but it was almost flash in the pan. It was kind of, it was, it was over so quickly and that was the end of it. And I think guards brought her on the flight home to, to make sure she got there. And and I think it was, I remember being, being told that, you know, it had been arranged that, that family members were basically meeting her off the, the plane. And then you know you would just hope that this this woman I suppose would would get the help she needed um and that might be the end of it, but that was that was really kind of the beginning of it um with Samantha. That was the first she'd been in a little bit of bother in Australia for similar stuff, but what happened in Ireland and the the headlines over that, both in Ireland and Australia, that was kind of really the beginning of of this pattern of of behavior and and it only escalated and escalated over the years mm. you know and I, I think I think she might have gone from Australia she went to Canada essentially and and pulled almost exactly the same stunt
0: in Canada what happened first in Australia was was it was it shortly well now we're talking about 2013 was the situation here in Ireland 2016 she's posing as a 13 year old called Harper and she attended school in Australia as a 13 year old or she showed up and claimed that she'd been fostered and
1: She did. Yeah, and that and that went on went on for a while, but I think even even before that she came back to Ireland and Canada. Yeah, mm. in 2014, right. and then she was back in Australia kind of pulling more of this. So she seemed to she seemed to go to Canada and pull a similar stunt where she claimed she was she was, you know, abducted and, and, and abused. And then they seemed to get rid of her again, similar to how Ireland did. She went back to Australia and then in 2014, she ended up um, posing as an au pair online and got a visa to leave Australia to come to Ireland. And she ended up au pairing for a couple in, in Leitrim. They're two young kids. I think they're only two and two and
0: four very young kids. And she stayed with them for over a month. And Ali, sorry, did they, how did she apply under her own name, Samantha Azopardi? and like did no. No, she applied under a fake, a fake name through the British
1: Embassy Mm. in Australia. And Mm -hmm. she claimed to be of Swedish origin to her, to the Au Pair family and lived with them for a couple of months and was coming out all these really wild stories about, the parentage of her, of, of her, you know, her family and that she was linked to the, the royal family in the UK. She was also linked to the Swedish royal family and there was all these plots and people were out to get her and she basically ended up fleeing Leitrim and, and just about got out of Ireland before she was arrested, basically, and, and off she went back to Canada, or sorry, back to Australia. And did
0: someone recognise her or, or did just these constant stories, maybe alert uh the parents in that case that she mightn't be. At this stage, yeah. it was
1: less than, it was a year later, but she looked different again. So no, they didn't put it together that that she was who she said mm. she, who she had been, I suppose. Um, but this mm-hmm. couple went to Gardie afterwards because they were, they just didn't know what the hell was going on with her. And and she had left a lot of documentation there. So they went to Gardie with that. And that's how this, it was put together that she had come back into Ireland a year later and w- was telling mad stories again, and then eventually kind of fled Ireland because she knew that she was trying to open a bank account in Ireland, I believe, and with this fake documentation, and, and the bank figured out it was fake, and, and there was checks being made, and then she kind of got the hell out of Dodge and, and left Ireland before, literally before Guardy were about to knock on her door
0: anyway, you mm. know? She shows up then in Canada, and again as an au pair? I think... Uh, yes, that was also an au pair situation um,
1: and then she seemed to leave that and then I think she went to police in Canada and claimed she was a, a victim of, of sexual abuse and that kind of sparked another big police investigation there. Mm. And to be honest, there's so many inc- incidents with her, it's, it's hard to keep up on what continent and when and where the actual time frame of all of us. I think I think the case she's up on in court in now I think is her one hundredth offence. This is back in Australia again. She's up. She's up at the moment. Sorry, in present day now it, it's her one hundredth offence. Mm. So that's that's kind of how much you're dealing with with this person. You know, it's it's impossible to keep up. I, I doubt she can even remember all, all the
0: different various mm-hmm. offences she's been involved in at, at this point. It's an extraordinary thing that somebody who has been and there's been like. Psych- psychological reports about her over the years and and while I don't think we're privy to exactly what personality disorder she has she certainly has been diagnosed with, with one or two but she obviously has the facility to travel. She obviously has money. She's obviously very savvy as regards setting up fake personalities for herself. I mean, you've got a job as an au pair. Surely you need documentation to back up who you are and references, etc.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think a lot of the references and all of that were, were, were obviously fake. But yeah, it is a good question. Like, where is her, where is her money coming from? I mean, uh, if, if, if we presume that she's on social welfare, I mean, that's not going to be enough to, to fund these trips. All over, mm. you know, all over the world, All over, like from like from continent to continent, not even
0: countries nearby. And nothing seems to have been for financial gain. Exactly. It's more for a kind of a, you know, for attention. It seems to be. Yeah. Like
1: that's kind of the, the, the strange thing about her. Like and it's obviously indicative of her of her numerous mental health problems that she clearly has. I mean, I, I, think, I think courts in Australia have said that, you know, she's been diagnosed with, I think, severe personality disorder, schizophrenia. Um, and she, she makes up these stories about either that she is a victim of, of sexual abuse or, you know, I think at one stage she said she was in a cult and, and, and being abused in a cult um Mm. but sometimes or like mainly it's just been her making up these stories but there has been her her offending did kind of escalate at one point in Australia and and she was charged with kind of very serious offenses of of child stealing in Australia Mm. and and she did kind of you know go on the run for for a day or two with with a couple of kids who she was au pairing and, and she did get a A year in prison for that, but that's kind of been the most serious thing. And I mean, look, that is very serious, and we can only imagine how the the parents of of those two children felt with this this woman who who disappeared with their kids. And of course, you would think the worst, and you'd be completely panicked. So it hasn't been completely victimless crimes, I suppose. But but in Mm -hmm. in the main, it's in the main it is victimless crimes, but. Mm -hmm it just seems to never end with her, you know, it's that, that's kind of, no one seems to be able to, to get her the help that she needs. Uh, And I mean, like she's, she's a 33 year old woman now, like, and and she's still posing as a 14 year old. Like, I mean, who who would believe a 14 year old is, is sorry, a 33 year old is 14, like nobody anymore, but she's still kind of following those, those patterns and, and she's a victim and, and, and she needs to be helped, you know, but ultimately she doesn't want any
0: help in f- for the problems she actually has, you know. And the only other photograph I was able to find of her, by the way, on the internet, I'm sure you've, you've had a look yourself. Um, she was one of the many people that have been before the courts over the past few years that have been helped by the uh, use of face masks. Oh, so yeah. she has a yeah. giant face mask over yeah. over her as she's going into court. Um you know, the longer this COVID situation continues, the less uh, photographs will be in newspaper archives. That's There'll be a, true. Kind of a, yeah, for sure. A couple I, of years. Yeah, yeah. People will, will not be there. But um, look, she, she's, she sounds like a, an extraordinary individual. You were interviewed recently by some um, TV station from Australia. So they're obviously, they're going to do... A proper yeah, documentary. They're, they're doing
1: a, a big, a big series, I think, and I think they've even travelled to, to to Canada, I think, and America, and interviewed some of her her victims over there in terms of family she was au pairing for, and I I think their view is, and and everyone's view is that obviously something happened in this woman's past to to spark this pattern of mm-hmm. kind of really unhealthy behavior that's criminal in, in some ways. But, you know, ultimately it seems like the real victim here in many ways is, is her and, and and the root of her problems no, no one knows. And she's done so many bizarre things and made so many false claims. But in terms of what's known about her early life and, and what has led her to this point, that's still very much a mystery in, in terms of her own family background you know, you'd have to wonder mm-hmm. about her her family life. Like, how, how can she end up like this? Her, her parents never seem to be. Her parents have been named now, but they never seem to. They never they never appear in court. In one of the many many times she's been up in Australia, you just never hear any any mention of them. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. speaking to Joe Brennan in in Clomel, who, you know, who 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 tip who told Guardy who she was, and you know, saying to him, are you going to come up and?" and visit her, you know, are you going to come up and see her? And he was like, absolutely not like this, you know, it, it, she right. was, you know, she wasn't right. his child. She wasn't his problem, I, I presume. But, mm-hmm. you know, he was just, he was like, he had no plans to go and see her. He just confirmed she'd stayed with him for a month. And as far as he knew, she got a bus to Dublin and she was going back home to Australia. And and, and that was that, but she clearly didn't. But you'd have to wonder where the, the support system is. But And she's still trying to act like a, like a vulnerable child,
0: but you know, she's she's in her mid thirties; like she's she's not a child. Well, some of these people, I think, really the um you know, there's a question of whether they should be subjected, obviously, to a big documentary. If they have mental health issues, should we really be kind of speaking about them, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. But in a way, when she's carrying on this sort of con artist. Uh, activities and there's clearly no stopping her and she's doing it all over the world, that's sort of the power of the media comes to the fore in that because it will be kind of tr- making her a recognisable person, I suppose, in as sensitive a way as possible. That will maybe be the only thing that will, will call a halt to, to what she's doing. Well, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's a good way of kind of a good synopsis of it as well. But mm. We're slightly, we don't know, we don't know whether we're doing right or wrong by talking about her or by whatever, you know, because we have to be sympathetic to people with mental health issues. But at the same time, somebody who is, you know, passing themselves off as uh, somebody and going out and minding other people's children, like, you know, you do have to weigh up the the, 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 the risk situation with her.
1: Yeah. Mm. And I mean, she's, she's clearly, she's seeking in a strange way, like she's constantly seeking attention by by cl- constantly claiming to be a victim of, of human trafficking, a victim of, of rape and, and other types of sexual abuse. Um, mm. so, so she's she's seeking attention from from the authorities. And then it all blows up in her face when when they take her fingerprints, basically, and and, and find out who she really is. So she seeks this attention. But at the same time, she doesn't want it. Like yeah. she doesn't want her photograph being taken, you know, and and so it's but that's kind of indicative really of of her of her mental state but i suppose it's like what what do you do with with someone like her like mm-hmm. the days of let's lock someone up in a in a mental institution and throw away the key are are thankfully behind us but then like mm-hmm. you say they, they you know they keep letting letting her back out cuz it's in the main apart from the child abduction case in the main it's 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 minor offenses so she keeps being let out, but then she keeps she keeps doing it again, you know, and and you just wonder, like, how far will this how far will this behavior escalate? Like, where will it end? I mean, is she's she's in custody now till the end
0: of next month on her 100th mm-hmm. offense. Like, when will it end for her? It sort of seems to fit in slightly, although, you know, there are differences obviously with that whole catfishing and a lot of those sort of romantic frauds that maybe aren't necessarily for money, but they're just because somebody has an addiction to pretending to be somebody that they aren't and to drawing others in. And it sort of seems to me to fit into that kind of a a situation. Yeah. And I think overall it's, it's just very sad, isn't it? It's it's just Mm, her life seems, seems very
1: sad and, and very empty and, and very lonely. Uh, so she creates these false narratives and puts herself as at the center of uh, as being a victim in the main mm-hmm. and, you know, is desperately seeking help from the authorities like, please help me. I, I'm, I am this victim, you know, and but, you know, she is a victim, but a very different victim. To mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to the one
0: she portrays, you know. Well, she was hardly a flash in the pan story, anyway. Ali, after no, twenty thirteen, no, GPO oh girl, God. she never went away.
1: Nearly ten years later, <laughs> I'm still writing stories about
0: her, you know. So there We're you still go. Talking about her. <laughs> Listen, Ali Bracken, thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free Sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.